Good morning. Man, so good to be with you. Man, don't you just love the creativity of this church, right? Yes. Yes. And those of you guys who are watching online, glad you're here. Okay, what's going on? I think some of you guys are like, hey, I thought Naeem Fazel was going to be here. Okay, so I shaved. That's what happened. That's what happened. I shaved, people. And for those of you who are like, I didn't even notice, here's your problem. You don't notice anything. Okay, that's your problem. But yes, I'm glad to be here. So good to be with you uh, because we're having conversations this summer and we're doing so many things very intentionally. Like even, even right now, like in this moment, I don't know if you know this, but there's so many things that have happened to create where we are right now. But there is a message, there is a word in a sense, there is a uh, piece of advice, maybe direction, maybe even a, an encouragement that you need uh, this, this particular day and this particular moment. And uh, God's inviting you to, in to uh, really hear and listen to it. Now, I will tell you this though, it might be one of those things that you do not want to hear. Have any, any of you have things like you're like, I don't want to hear this. Anybody ever said that, I just don't want to hear it? I just don't want to hear it, right? It's one of those things that you're like, ah, oh, I do, I really want to hear this, but it's really important. Why? Because for so many of us, there is this uh, constant tension right now in our lives because God seems to be bringing up this one thing in your life all the time. Now, I know, be, let's just be real here. Let's be, this is a safe space, okay? Sometimes God can be annoying, right? I think so. Like, I'm like, dude, just drop it. Like, we're not talking about this. We're not talking about this. I don't want to go there. And he's like, let's, let's, let's go there. Let's go there. I'm like, no, no. Everything else, let's talk about. That, no, no, no touchy, that thing, okay? Because it's one of those conversations you're like, oh, I just don't know. I want to do that. Here's the issue, though. If you're like me and you find yourself in a situation like that, you're at a standstill with God. And if it, if it lasts long, what you realize is that there, 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 there's this closeness that is no longer. It's just a sense of like, oh, I used to be really tight with God. Like he was really cool. I was cool with him. And now all of a sudden you are not cool. And he's not cool with you. It seems like it. It seems distance. It seems like um, this one thing that you don't want to talk about is affecting other things. And you're like, well, what about all this stuff that I've been praying about? And he goes, yeah, 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 we'll get to that. But let's talk about this one thing. And you're like, no. We don't want to do that. So what do you do? What do we do? Well, I think the first thing we need to understand is that there, is certain, there are certain things in our life that if we, um, if we don't allow ourselves to change, then it keeps God from us. Like there is an, actually a repellent, a God repellent. You're like, really? I don't know if that's in the Bible. Listen, just listen to me. Just listen. There's actually a repellent. You're like, no, 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 God can do anything. He, yes, he can, but there are certain things he can't do. You're like, come on. You know what? I don't know about this. Okay, I think the beard, uh, the lack of beard, you know, is really affecting who you are, right? Like, let's grow that back and let's get more biblical. But I'll tell you what. Let me show you. Okay, let's go to James chapter 4. Can you say James chapter 4? Help me out. 
let's do that, let's do that. But here's another thing I want you to do. I love doing this, and here's why, okay? Seriously, I have dyslexia and dysgraphia, so hoo-hoo, okay? So when it comes to reading out loud, it's tough for me. So I want you to help me, okay? Help me help you kind of thing, okay? So would you mind reading this passage with me? It's not, a, it's not even a passage. It's like one line. So James chapter 4, verse 6 says this. Let's read it together. It says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. In other translations, it basically says that God resists the proud. It's like, the, like basically God's like, I can't do anything with you when it comes to this. If you have pride in your life, if you are stubborn, and if you choose to have it your way, I can't do much with that. Now, maybe, just maybe, some of us, we're in this point where we're having this conversation with God about this topic, about this situation, you're like, I don't want to I don't want to deal with this, but it's connected to pride. And it could be, just could be that pride is keeping you distant from God because he can't do anything with it. He opposes it. He's like, I can't, I can't do it. It repels me. Like you're like, oh, I don't know, maybe, maybe, I thought it was my shame and guilt and all the other sins and all the stuff that I'm into. Yeah, 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 but I'll tell you what, pride, God can't do anything with. It's like, I, I'm not quite sure. It's like, God's like, I, I, you, something's got to give here. It repels him. And I don't want to say it just it repels him like, like how a smell repels us. Have you ever realized that when something stinks so bad, your brain stops working? Have you realized that? It's not just your nose. You're like, oh my God, what is happening? True story. Okay, I was at the gym. I'm working out. And I am, I am, I am I'm, I'm like smelling the stink. Okay, and I'm like, someone in this gym stinks to high heaven. Okay. Okay, what is going on here? I'm, I'm walking around like this smell is coming and I'm like, oh God, and I can't even lift. I can't do anything. It's so, you know what I'm talking about, right? Like maybe you've been on a first date and the dude was like, you know, really ambitious and poured the entire cologne bottle. And you're like, oh God, I can't even, my mouth doesn't work. I can't even eat. You know what I'm saying? It's one of those things. But here, here's what happened. At the gym, I'm like, what's going on? Then I realized it was me. It was me. And I'm like, but what is the stink? This isn't the stink stink. This is a real awful stink. I, don't sm- I smell bad, but I don't smell that bad. What had happened is my dang cat, it's not my cat, actually. Let's just put that on the record. It is not my cat. Okay, we have two cats. None of them are mine. Okay, I do not own them. They own me, apparently. But anyways, this one of them had gone into my gym bag and peed on it. Yeah, yeah. It had burned the whole house down for that. Like, you know, like... What is going on? The shorts are no longer with me. I'm like, what's happening? And I don't want, I don't want to say that that's the, the image, but I think there's some area of your life that honestly pride has gotten in and you don't even know. See, that's the cool thing about, not a cool thing, but that's the insidious thing about pride. It, it makes you think that it's your friend. It gives you all kinds of sense. Oh, no, 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 you're more, you're bigger than who you are and you need to be better. And it, it puffs you up in a sense, but it deceives you. And it makes you actually create a distance from God where he can't do much with. He can't do anything with pride. He resists. But when, if you are humble, he has grace for you. And so if we're humble in our brokenness, in our addiction, in our shame, in our guilt, if we're just humble, he can do so much more. But see, pride comes in and just takes over our life. And so this morning, if you find yourself in a, in a landlocked, in a sense, or just at a standstill, you're kind of going, I'm not 
really getting what I need from God. I feel like my prayers are not like going to heaven in a sense. Like they're just not, I don't hear him. I don't feel him. It could be that there's an area of your life that God is bringing up right now. Even you're like, oh, I know it's that. I know it's that. Yes, girl, it is. It is that. It's that thing. But the good thing is God wants to have a conversation and wants to show you that he is not about controlling your life. In fact, I want you to know this, okay? And if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. God does not want to control your actions. He wants to shape your character. And the choice that you have right now uh, uh, before you, the thing that you're thinking of, like, I, uh, I don't want to talk to God about this. I don't want to talk about this. Like, like, like you're like, I, I know he wants me to just do this. I just know he wants me to do this. And if I just do this, he'll be fine. If I just obey, let me just, let me just uh, present it this way. Sometimes when God gives us an opportunity, a choice, it is not to just simply do something. It's actually a choice to become someone. Because you choosing to do or not to do that particular thing will change you. It's not about God just wanting you to do. It's God wants you to become someone. And if you and I let pride just take control of our lives, it will create something within us and then it will shape our character. And God loves us enough to go, hey, 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 I don't want to control you because religion does that. I do want to shape your character. I've created you and I know who you are and you're better, you're better than what pride tells you that you are because pride always lies to us. So let's jump into a story, okay? I want to go Old Testament, old school. Um, I want to tell a story that's found in the scriptures and it's a, about a guy named King Zedekiah. Cool name, right? Can you say Zedekiah? King Zedekiah. I think it's a cool name for a dog too, right? Zedekiah. It's cool. Anyways, okay. So Zedekiah. So you're like, oh, I don't know about this king. Okay, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. So if you know Old Testament stories, if you don't, we're going to go to school really quick. Okay? So here's what happens. Israel is this uh, Jewish people, basically, are a people group that God chose and God didn't choose them because he doesn't like anybody else. He chose them for a particular purpose. And that was he was going to show how he re relates to humans throughout history. And so when he chose a Jewish people and he said, okay, I'm going to choose you. And out of them, there'll be a savior named Jesus. But he takes that nation and follows them through. And the Old Testament are stories, historical documents. There are all these stories of how a Jewish people and how basically humanity has moved towards and come to a relationship with God. Jesus. But the Old Testament is a lot of stuff to basically about stuff people did that did not work. So one of the things that happened in the people of the Jewish people is that they wanted uh, a king. Like they didn't want just God to have a relationship with. They, they wanted a king. In fact, when Moses went and rescued the people, remember? Remember Moses? You guys remember that? Yo, yo, let my people go. You remember that? Okay. You guys know that story. Yeah. So he rescued them. They wanted they, didn't, they, they just, you know, they wanted a king. So God gave them the first king. Anybody know, for extra credit, okay, extra credit, anybody know the first king of Israel? Saul. Awesome. Second king. Okay, got quieter. Okay, David. Yeah, this crew right here, this is, this is the smart people right here. They're like, we know our stuff. We got, we got our Bibles. 
You can Google it too, by the way. <laughs> okay. okay, third king. Yeah, yes. Fourth king. Silent. Yeah, I know. You know, what? you know why? Because third, uh, first, second, and third places count. The fourth, if you come in fourth, no one cares. Okay? I don't care if you're a king. No one cares. Right? This is, that's this, uh, the world we live in. But here's what you know about all those kings. Regardless of who they were, they all were dysfunctional. In fact, in fact, when the Jewish people wanted kings and God gave them kings and allowed them to have it, it broke up the kingdom. So if you've ever read uh, like parts of the Old Testament, you're like, uh, what's going on here? Because the Jewish people are called Israel and then they're called Judah. And what, what's happening? What happened basically is that the, the kings were so dysfunctional that they broke up the entire kingdoms into two groups. There was a northern kingdom and now there was a southern kingdom. And that made them um, so acceptable to all kinds of uh, occupation. And so there were empires who would come in. The Syrians, the Persians came in, the Babylonians came, and then all the way to when Jesus showed up, there was an empire that was occupying or oppressing the uh, Jewish people. You remember that? Who were they? They were the Roman Empire. Yes, this is the group right here. This is my group, okay? A plus, okay? So this is the Romans. So what happened was the groups were divided, and because of that division, they were so just, you know, uh, fragile. And one of the things that happened here is that one of these groups, the, the southern kingdom, this guy right here, this, this particular group of people had a king, and that's where King Zedekiah shows up. Now, the reason why this is so important is because King Zedekiah was not necessarily king. What does that mean? Well, here's what happened. In Jewish history, the most traumatic things that happened to that people group back in ancient days was this huge exile. Basically, Babylonians came in, took over both the kingdoms, and they took some of the people, the, the people that they really wanted, people that they could exploit, they took them out of their region, so think Israel, and moved them to Iraq like Babylon. They took him to Babylon. So it was the exile to Babylon. And there's all these chapters and stories about all that stuff, about what happened there. It was pretty traumatic. They were there for like 70, 80 years. Okay. Now, part of that whole time, what these, the Babylonian king at the time, Nebuchadnezzar, what he did was, he was like, I don't want to really deal with all these Jewish people. I just want to take the best of them and use what I need to use. So what he did was he found a guy and he made him, made him king. He basically, he was a figurehead and that was it. He found a 21-year-old. Uh, how old was he? 21. 21. Friends, I've been 21, okay? I've been 21. You've been 21, okay? Okay. And I'll tell you, at 21, I was like, I know everything. And I can do pretty much anything and everything. My, the world's my oyster or whatever. I, I got this. I'm going to rule the world. My 30s, though, I was like, not everything. I don't own everything. Can't, I can't do everything. By 40s, you're like, I just give up. I just don't even know. I'm not quite sure. By 50, you're like, you know, this is as good as it's going to get. I don't even know. I don't even know. Okay, it just keeps on going. You, you, get, you become actually more self-aware the older you get. But at 21, you're like, I can do anything, right? Yeah, you're like a young professional. You're like, you know what? I'm going to rule this world. Yes, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going I'm to be a CEO, right? And you told all your girlfriends, I'm going to own my own business. Yes, you can, girl. Go for it. Yes, yes, yes. But the problem is he became not a CEO of a company. He became what? King. King at 21. 
So obviously, he got a little cocky. He got a little bit of, hey, hey, oh, okay. I, then what he did was he got, he got his boys around him. He got a group of people around him, his counselors, and they were like the jam. They were like, we, were big. We, we got this, we got this. The king, though, Nebuchadnezzar, the real king, the only thing he told this guy, the fake king, 21-year-old, he told him, he's like, all you got to do is you got to pay me taxes. Now, we all have relationships with paying taxes, don't we? We don't what? We don't want it. We don't like it. We don't like it. We're like, seriously, why? 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 Now, you get in trouble when you don't pay taxes, but this guy is king, and he was like, I'm not paying no taxes. I'm not doing my thing. Guess what? You know who I am? I'm King Zedekiah. <laughs> so he stops paying. He stops paying, and he tells Nebuchadnezzar, the real king of Babylon, all of Babylon, hey, bro, we done here. And Nebuchadnezzar goes, oh, really? He's like, yeah, yeah, we done. Me and my boys got this. You do your, your thing, we're going to do my thing. He's like, oh, okay. So the, the, the real king, Nebuchadnezzar, he goes, oh, okay, so here's what I'm going to do. So he takes part of his army and surrounds his city, King Zedekiah's city. He just takes the entire part of his time and just surrounds, like a huge source of, like, that's a power play if you've seen one. He just surrounds him. He doesn't invade. He just surrounds him. And then he says, hey, do you, boo. I'm just going to hang out here. Oh, no one can come in and no one can go out. But you do you. You're king. Woo-hoo. So two years pass. What's happening? Oh, not good things. Not good things are happening. People are like, we're running out of food. No one can leave. I mean, it's just chaos. Uh, King Zedekiah is like, oh, we, we're good. Doesn't, nothing's all good. I'm good because he's in the palace. So one of the things that is constant in the Old Testament is whenever kings start doing some goofy things, God sends them certain kind of people. And they're called, okay, for extra credit, they're called who? Oh, okay, okay. Yes, prophets. So Jeremiah is the prophet that goes to the king, King Zedekiah, and says, hey, so, so this is a bad idea. You should not do this. You should not do this. You should not do this. And he is God's voice to King Zedekiah, and I'll tell you what happened. You just read it for yourself. Zedekiah got so annoyed by this voice of God in his life telling him, you should not do this. He literally took Jeremiah and threw him in a well. He was like, you're down here. Okay, I don't want to kill you, but hey, this is your new uh, suite. And it's, and it's a well. They put him in a well. They literally put him in a well. So now, two years are happening here. People are like, what's going on? And then, Jer- then Jeremiah is continually, you know, in the well going, bad idea. Stop doing this. You're a moron. You know, probably he didn't say that. I don't know. Okay? So then, so then, Zedekiah has this idea. You know what? You know what? It's been a while. Let's get Jeremiah back. He gets Jeremiah back. He's like, hey, give him a shower. You know, whew, stinks. Uh, he goes, hey, listen, so we've been thinking about this. By the way, how are you doing? How's that well? Okay, not, not good? Okay, okay. Anyways, let's talk about this. So here's, here's the problem. The problem is now is I, 
Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna bind here. Uh, so uh, we've been doing this for a while, and um, it's been two years now. And and he's and the king. Nebuchadnezzar is not really doing anything, and I can't leave, and it's really bad, and so I'm kind of stuck. Like, I made a choice. Like, have you ever made a choice, and you're like, now I'm just stuck? Have you ever been stuck? You're like, well, I don't know what to do. I mean, I felt like it was a good idea. Like, anybody thought it was a good idea, and then it turned really bad? Like, this was a bad idea, and now you're kind of stuck. He goes, hey, hey, uh, so... so can you just pray to God and ask him what I should do? And um, Jeremiah is like, yeah, sure. And this is what he says. He says, then Jeremiah said to Zedekiah, he's like, I talked to God. Here's what he says. The Lord God Almighty, the God of Israel says this. If you, if you, what's that word? Surrender. If you surrender to Babylon, you and your family will live. And the city will not be burnt. Okay, okay, here's what God's telling you. If you just give up your right to be right, if you just give up your ego, if you just do the right thing, if you humble yourself, if you just surrender this issue, if you just surrender, if you just come out and go, I was wrong, if you just do this, um, your family will live, you will live, you'll be spared, the city will be spared, it'll turn around. And then he says this, but, but, that's a big old but right here, okay? But, if you, what? Refuse. So bro, if you, if you, if you're like, nah, I'm good. If you refuse to surrender, even though you think you will, you will not escape. He said, you won't escape. He said, this city will be handed over to the Babylonians, and they will burn it to the, what? Ground. He's like, it's going to be bad in all kinds of ways if you don't humble yourself and surrender. And you know what Zedekiah goes? He goes, you know what? There was a reason I threw you in to the well, and you, there you go again. <laughs> so Jeremiah's back in the well. And Zedekiah's got a new plan. His plan is he's going to escape. So here's what happens. It says here, verse of chapter 52, it says, Then a section of the city wall was broken down, and all soldiers made plans to escape from the city. But since the city was surrounded by Babylonians, they waited for nightfall and fled through the gate between the two walls behind the city's gate. That's a great plan. Okay, in the middle of the night, no one's going to notice. We're going to take off. Okay? Zedekiah is like, hey, listen. He gets his family together. He's like, we're going to go do this. We're going to do this. Follow me. Let's, let's go. Let's go. They, it says here, they made a dash across the fields in the direction of the Jordan Valley. But, again, that but, but the Babylonians chased after them and did what? Caught them. They caught him. They caught King Zedekiah on the plains of Jericho. For by then, his boys... Had what? Abandoned him. They're like, ah, you know what? <laughs> we love you, but we're out. He's abandoned. His family's with him. They catch him. What happens then? It says here, Then they brought him to the king of Babylon at Riblah in the land of Hamat, 
where sentence was passed against him. There at Riblah, the king of Babylon made Zedekiah, hold up, well, stop, it's, gonna, it's about to get R-rated right here, PG-13 maybe, okay? It's going to get violent here. Here's what happens. The king of Babylon made Zedekiah watch all, as all his sons were killed. They also killed all the elders of Judah. Okay? No, it gets worse. Then they... I don't know if I want, to, want you guys to say the word. But some of you guys are like, gouged. They gouged out his, Zedekiah's eyes, bound him in bronze chains, and led him astray to Babylon. Zedekiah remained there in prison for the rest of his life. See, I think this is a great illustration of what pride does. It says, it says, and says hey, you're the man. You're the woman. You got this. You own this. Uh, they owe you. you. You are in charge. You make the decisions. You, 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 do, you do it. You, you got this. This is not you, your talent got you here. It just pride feeds you all kinds of things. And then we make decisions. And don't, what we don't realize is, is this. What happens is, first of all, pride kills us. Like it kills the people around us. It affects other people. That's exactly what happened here. His pride, his pride killed other people. I mean, the last thing he saw was his kids, his sons dying. That was the memory of his eyes. And then, then, then he, he didn't just pass away or die. No, he had to live now. Because I don't know what it is, that, but pride wants you and me to just live in regret. And I don't know about you, man, but living in regret is one of the worst things in the world. When you're like, I could have changed this. I could have, I could, I could have just, I should have just, I should have just, it's, and it's, and it's over. The relationship is over. The opportunity is gone. And you're like, I just wish I could get it back. How many of you have things that I just wish I could do, I could do a redo there? But pride just kind of comes in. And what it does, it affects, it affects other people in us, around us. It killed them. And then it, what it does is it blinds us. It removes this, the, the hope of a beautiful future that we have. Pride does that. It blinds us because the problem is that pride just makes us see everything about us. Like it's all about us. Like, we, we don't even see it. We don't even, we don't even notice pride in us. I mean, I remember my, father, my, my brother-in-law, like, 10, 15 years ago, and it was just so weird, and we were having a conversation, and he was like, oh, yeah, back in the day, you were pretty cocky. And I was like, what? Me? And he was like, yeah, man, you're kind of a jerk. I'm like, you're a jerk. You know, like, what? Do you know pride is something you can't see in the mirror? Like you're like, oh, no, you can't. No. It's, it's tough it, because it wants to blind you. It wants to blind you. And it blinds you to see actually other people around you. Have you ever been in conversations where you're like, man, I really think this person, this team leader, this, my, empl- my boss, like my family member, this, this relationship you're in, like, this person really sees you. 
like understands you? Have you ever seen, have you ever said that, right? I feel seen, I feel seen. Thank you, I feel seen, I feel understood. See, prideful people can't make you feel that way. It's, it's, it's impossible for them because they can't see anything else but themselves. So if you're around people and you're like, I always feel like, you know, I'm not important, my opinions don't matter, I never feel seen in this meeting with this company, with this group of people, because there's so much pride going around that everybody's looking at everybody else, their own stuff. It blinds us. See, pride wants to kill others. It wants to blind us. And then, lastly, I mean, if you just take the story, it wants to imprison us forever. And I don't know about you, but I think some of us, you might be imprisoned. And you're like, oh, I don't know about this name. I don't know. But, you know, so I, I, uh, I'm Middle Eastern, uh, those of you who, who don't know. And, uh, man, with our culture, man, Pakistani, Pakistani culture, we are emotional and we are, we are some emotional people. Okay, let me just say that. Okay, so when we love, we love big, big. But when we hate, <laughs> we hate forever. Like, it's crazy how intense it gets. Because the conversations I've had, and I just know this about my culture, and it seems to be one of those things, but man, I've had conversations with my mom about this. Like, there are generations of cousins who will not talk to each other because they are harboring bitterness and unforgiveness. See, the truth is, is that pride doesn't just come across like, oh, you're just arrogant and you're boastful. No, pride is also this, man, unshakable stubbornness that you will not change. And that, my friends, is a quiet, sinister pride working in you that says, no, this is how I've always done it. And this is who I am, and they can change, but I will not. My friends, that God can't do anything with. He can't. And what that does, that is pride imprisoning you to unforgiveness and bitterness. And you and I don't even know it. And years have passed and we're still harboring that. You know what that is? You're, you've been imprisoned by fear, anxiety, hatred. You just don't like it with offense. You got offended, they hurt you, and man, you have imprisoned yourself. Pride does that. It's so, so sinister. The good thing is God has made a way for us to move past this. See, this is an Old Testament story. And most Old Testament stories just kind of end with a disaster. And But that's why we have a New Testament. That's why God has used the people of Israel and then illustrated the person of Jesus and how there is redemption for all of us if we would surrender. If we would surrender, that God could turn this situation around. So the story also tells us, especially when you can connect it to Jesus' teachings, that first of all, God always has compassion for us. He always has compassion for us. He understands, he understands that how you and I can just get caught up in pride. He has compassion. He has compassion for you. He gets it. 
He gets how we just, we're just, there, there's, a, there's a war in between us, ourselves. It's like, I just want this, I just want this, I just want this. He gets that. He's compassion. He has unreasonable amount of grace for you. Unreasonable. It doesn't make any sense. You are not that good. But he gives it to you. But also the story tells us that he warns us and warns us continually. God has unreasonable grace, but he has this ridiculous amount of patience. Like a ridiculous amount of patience. He will not wait just a week for you to change. He will wait a whole lifetime for you to change. He will still be there hoping, wishing, nudging you to do the right thing. So if you find yourself in a place where you're like, I mean, I've been at the standstill for, standstill for years about this topic, then today might be the day. God has not been like, oh, peace out, I'm out. You're never going to change. You're never going to change. He's like, no, no, I just, I, I, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there. Because God, God doesn't want to give you over to pride. He doesn't want pride to win. But he can't do anything as long as you hold on to pride. And lastly, what we know is, I mean, he'll, he'll have compassion on you. He'll continue to warn you, right? Because there are people in your life right now who are telling you to do the right thing. And you're like, uh, no. You know. You're like, oh, I, I'm not quite sure. I don't, I don't know if I want to do this. I, 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 I feel like I'm being boxed in. I don't, don't tell me what to do. But God's warning you. Because the last thing he will do is he will let you have your way. He will let you have your way. He, he, the last thing God wants to do is control you. He does not control you. He doesn't want to control you. Remember? Like, God's not about wanting to control your actions. He's about shaping your character. He doesn't want you to do that. He, religion wants you to do that. So he will let you, let you go. Um, the best way to illustrate this, I think, was I remember going on my first cruise. My first cruise. It was also my last cruise. It was. I'm not joking. First and last. First and last, I don't know, it was 18 years ago. Anybody, any cruise people in the house? Any, you guys, I, we just love cruises. Okay, not a lot. Okay, how many people are like, we don't like cruises? Okay, yeah, okay, I, I, feel, I feel it here. I feel it. I'm safe here. Okay, yeah, I, don't, I don't, here's the problem with this cruise, okay? The first thing that happened is, is that my, my son at the time was like just old enough to walk and get into trouble. And when we walked in there, it started off, I mean, there was all kinds of instances, things that happened in that cruise. I'll tell you some other time. But the one thing that happened is that they had this child cut off, like uh, for childcare, cut off age, whatever, and he was just old enough. So now this entire time in this cruise, I'm stuck with my kid. Now, okay, okay it sounds really bad. It sounds really bad. You're like, oh, don't you love your kids? We do. Parents, you know me. You get me. You get Amen. Can I get another amen? Okay. Here's what happened. Okay. Here's what happened. Let me show you something. Okay. Here's what happened. The problem was with this cruise is, is that I had to put one of these boys on, <laughs> on my kid. Okay. Now, for those of you who do not know what this is, whoo. Okay. Here's the, here's, this is a leash. This is a leash. This is a child leash, okay? And you're like, you put this on your kid? Okay, yes, I did. Yeah, amen, yes. All you parents, you're like, you know, it's, listen, listen. 
Listen, let me show you some pictures, okay? Here's, here's, okay. So this, it's so beautiful picture, right? It's a beautiful picture, but still, the boys on the leash, okay? This is what, this is what I felt like, though. Let me show you another picture, okay? This is what, this is what it feels like, okay? For those of you. Some of you, you're like, that's me uh, yesterday, yeah. So I did not want to do that. I was like, fundamentally, I was like, oh my, my, Asher is a pet. Like, I cannot do this. I cannot do this. And my wife was like, you need to just put this on. He's going to fall. Like, uh, is he jumping off the cruise ship? What's happening here? What are we doing? She was like, we're not letting him. We're not letting him. Okay, okay. So this entire trip, he was on this thing. I think for some of us, you really think that if you come to Jesus, he's going to put a leash on you. Like it's like, it's like you, 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 it's like this kid leash Christianity. Like as, as soon as you surrender your life to him, as soon as you give up control in, in your dating life, in your finances, as soon as you give him that thing, he's going to put a leash on you. And he's going to control your life. And that's what it is. It's Jesus walking around with us strapped to him. He's going to walk us around life. And friends, that's what religion is. God doesn't want to control your actions. He wants to what? Shape your character. And so the decision you and I are facing to humble ourselves in this particular conversation, particular area, you know what it is. This is an opportunity not for you to do something. It's an opportunity for you to become someone, to become the person deep down you really want to be. But it takes courage, humility to step into that. So today, I want to ask you to surrender. I don't know what it is. I want you to surrender. I want you to come to a point where you go, you know what? I'm just going to, you can have it all, God. You can just have it all. Like, oh, you can just have it all. And I don't know what that means, you know, for you. But I do know that it starts maybe today. It starts with you letting go of your ways and allowing God to really shape who he created you to be. So can I pray for you? Can I do that? Let's do this, if you don't, guys don't mind. Can we stand together? I just want to pray a prayer over you. And we're going to actually go into a particular song. And it's going to allow us to really respond. Because this moment is really for you. It's not just for us, but it's for you. To talk to God about that one thing. Because it's going to take a lot for you to give that up. And I get that because it's so part of you. So let's pray together. God, I thank you for your patience with us, your grace for us. I thank you, God, that you continually put us in places where you remind us, hey, 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 listen, there's a better way. And God, I know that sometimes our pride has allowed us to make decisions and to get caught up in some things that we just don't know how to get out of. And now we feel like, man, I, everything will, it, 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 we, it would just be so hard to give this up now. But God, we know that we need to. We know that we need to step towards that and obey you. We know that pride is the problem. And for some of us, it's this unwillingness to change our minds about this particular person. 
And God, I know that that is the reason why we feel so distant from you. So today, we just say, we, we just give it up. We don't know what that means, but would you allow us to come closer? Would we, would we feel you again? I know your word says that you resist the proud, but you give grace to the humble. So God, we just in humility say, you can have it all. You can have it all. My life, my relationships, my career, my purpose, my kids, you can have it all. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Let's, let's respond together.